Hey everybody, we are in the second week of our Advent series and uh, we're getting rid of the tree because, um, oops, uh, frankly, it's an embarrassment to our entire church family. Uh, and also, we found out last week that Advent is not about Christmas trees, it's about Jesus. Specifically, it's about the two comings of Jesus. We learned that Advent, uh, Advent comes from the, the Latin word Adventus, uh, which means coming. And uh, historically, Christians have always celebrated in Advent the first coming of Jesus in, at Christmas, and then the second coming of Jesus, which is yet to come, where he's going to, to come back to make all things new to recreate the world in the way that he first intended for it to be. And so that's what we celebrate. We saw last week that uh, we live in between these two comings, that in part our existence is defined by the, this now and not yet tension that we live in, that we celebrate the first coming of Jesus at Christmas, the great gift of God giving himself to the world as the Son comes into human history as Jesus, and, and yet we, look, we still look forward to that day which is yet to come, his second coming, where he's going to make all things right and all things new. And what I hope becomes evident during this series is that rather than seeing these two uh, advents as sort of distinct events in history, um, we should see that actually these two events bleed into the present, that we're not completely disconnected from the two advents, but actually the effect of them profoundly uh, bleeds into the present day. Do you like that? That's got a gradient, all right? And that's what our experience should be. And in part, as we talk uh, in the next few weeks today about hope and then about peace and joy and love, these, these aspects or attitudes of Advent that should be present in our lives as Christians, as we talk about those things, I want us to see those things in light of these two great Advent events coming into the here and now and influencing and affecting the way that we live day to day. So each week we're going to look, as we look at hope and uh, peace and joy and love, as we look at these things, I want, to, I want to see how the first advent and the second advent um, it provides these things for us, hope, how it provides hope for us, we're going to look at today. Uh, but I also want to look at how the fact that we live in a tension between these two events, that life isn't perfect now, that we can't always perfectly live these things out. And so therefore, I want to see how can we cultivate and grow these attitudes in our daily lived experience. So that's what we're going to be doing today when it comes to the subject of hope. So how does the first advent influence the way that we live out a, a hopeful existence in the here and now? I want to begin by reading you an account of the first advent. So this is Matthew's account from Matthew chapter 1, and it tells us uh, quite a bit about why we should have hope in light of the first advent. So Matthew 1, 18 to 23. The birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. 
So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him, they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. So in order for us to get a really good sense of why this event, the first advent, should give us hope, I think we really need to put ourselves in the shoes of God's people, the people of Israel at the time. So you know that from the, the moment God calls Abraham and calls him to be the father of this nation of Israel, a, a nation who would God would use to not only be in close relationship with them, but to bless the world through them. From that moment, right up until this point in history, there, there is this succession of promises and plans that God is putting in place that would have their manifestation in a king that God would give them who would be a wise and good and powerful ruler, not only over them, but over the whole world. And, and so throughout the history, Israel is just living in anticipation of this king. And they see kings raised up from among them, not least David, King David himself. And they have all these hopes and desires for, that this king would, would deliver them the peace that God had pr promised them. It's not unlike what goes on in America every election cycle, right? Unlike us in Australia where we expect our next prime minister to do a moderately okay job and our main concern is just that he or she doesn't ruin the place, in America they have this great sense of anticipation, optimism and hope that, that, that their, their president might be this messiah figure who has come to save them. That's kind of how... Israel felt, but they felt it for good reason because God had made this promise to them that such a king would be raised up. And yet all through their history, they, are, uh, they have this building anticipation of hope and then disappointment as king after king, ruler after ruler, prophet after prophet, wise man after wise man lets them down. And so they've built up this great anticipation to the point in history where we read in the first account of the first advent that in fact in Jesus God has delivered on his promise. And it's not going to be a king who will do his earthly best to fulfill God's promises, but because it's God himself, all of those promises have their yes in Jesus. And so the, the, the delivering of this promise was such an incredible um, uh, uh, experiential, profound demonstration of hope being delivered upon. And we ought to have that same sense as we come to Christmas and remember Jesus coming to human history, rather than be distracted, not least by presence and trees and stuff, but even more so by busyness and commerce and present giving and all of that stuff. If we're not distracted by all of the noise around Christmas, we might just be able to tap into the great, the, what, the, what the old liturgies call the sure and certain hope that God delivers in giving his son in the first 
Advent. And the reason this can give us such hope is because the, the hope that we're talking about is not the kind of hope that we often talk about when we refer to hope. Like, my, my hope right now is after this sermon recording completely failing yesterday and now having to re-record it unexpectedly, my hope is that the audio will not be corrupted to the extent that we can't even use it in this recording. All right, so if you're watching the, me right now, then my hope has, has delivered. If not, then it reveals itself to be what so many of our hopes are, which is tenuous, right? Dependent on circumstances, many of which are outside of our control, like the signal going from this microphone to the sound desk, right? Out of my control, not sure, not certain. This hope is not that kind of hope. The hope delivered at Advent does not rest on tenuous circumstances, but on the promises and the plans of God which cannot be thwarted. I love the way that uh, a modern uh, carol describes this kind of hope, and it's one by uh, Passion, and, and this is, these, these are uh, the words. It says, hope has a name, Emmanuel. The light of the world who broke through the darkness, all hail the King, Emmanuel. The light of the world, the glory of heaven. I love that because it, it, it demonstrates that our hope is not this kind of tenuous, you know, hoping that the universe is good to us, casting out good thoughts, hoping that, you know, karma might work in our favor. But no, hope is a person. Hope has a name. Emmanuel, God with us. That's why we can have hope in light of the first advent. Now, moving over to the second advent, that coming which is yet to be, Jesus' second coming to, to do justice on the earth, to make all things right, to inaugurate a new creation in which he invites all people who trust in him to live with him for eternity. No more sickness, no more crying, no more pain, no more pandemic, just perfect harmony with him and his creation. Right? That second coming can give us great hope, hope that bleeds into the present. I want to read you from 1 Peter, a passage you'll be no doubt familiar with. 1 Peter, 3, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 5 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That last time he's talking about is the second advent, the second coming of Jesus. And in that second coming, all of God's promises are realized and consummated. Our great and living hope directs our eyes to the future to the rolling up of history and to the consummation of all of God's plans 
and promises. This is the second advent. Now, why should we have such great hope in that? Why is it not just a, a hoping for something good in the future? Why is it not just a, a hoping against hope? The reason we should have hope again is because we can see who is responsible for that hope. Not me and not you, not tenuous and, sh- and shifting circumstances, not hashtag uncertain times, but the, the hope Uh, The responsibility for the deliverance of that hope rests in God himself. Remember verse 5? You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It's ready. It's ready to be delivered and it's being guarded by God himself. I want to share with you a little video that I shot Uh, yesterday morning before I shot the first version of this sermon, which failed. Um, But it was a video that I shot as I went out to the the shed on the church grounds to grab something, and here's what I discovered. (laughs) Attention thieves of Caroline Springs. Don't even bother trying to steal something from our shed. It's like Fort Knox back here. (laughs) Ah, yeah. (laughs) So here's what we know about security, right? The, The security of an item that we want to protect is completely dependent on the power of the one seeking to protect it. Like, is it in my power to secure this item or not? And in this case, clearly not. Uh, in, in the case of the hope that we have in the second coming of Jesus, that secure, the security of that hope, of the deliverance of that promise, is dependent on the power protecting it. What is the level of power protecting that promise? Verse 5 again. You are being guarded by God's power. This is why Jesus could say, I think it's John, is it chapter 6, where he says, All who belong to me are mine, and no one can deliver them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Now, if I tell you that uh, I've got my phone in my hand and no one can deliver it out of my hand, that is a tenuous promise. Like my seven-year-old can deliver my phone out of my hand with ease. But if we're talking about the deliverance of God's promises, the hope that we have secured in him, the salvation that's yet to be revealed in the second coming of Jesus, and it's Jesus saying, no one can deliver this out of my hand, then you better believe that you're secure in his love. He is powerful to protect his promises. Such is the hope that we have not only in the first advent, but in the second Advent. Now, in spite of all of this and the, the, the sure and certain hope we have in the ability of God to deliver on his promises, both past and future, the fact is that we live, as we said last week, in the now and not yet. We live in this between time where life is difficult, right? And so our experience of hope in this life is tainted by our circumstances, Life is hard. We've experienced that particularly in 2020, but if we're honest, life has always been hard. 
For me right now, I'll just be honest with you, I'm going through a very difficult season. Like a season that is testing me to the limits under the kind of strain and stress that is at, at times feels overwhelming. That's what life is like for me in the present time. And so the question is, how can we cultivate? I love that word. How can we grow? How can we cultivate hope in the midst of what can be, frankly, ambiguity of life? Best of times and worst of times, right? Light as well as dark. How can we cultivate hope in the midst of normal, up and down, nose to the grindstone life? I got three ideas and there are no doubt many more than this, but remember we're trying in this to live in light of the first and the second advent as they shed light on and bleed into the here and now. How can we work with God to cultivate these promises that he has made and will deliver on in, in our daily lives? Well, the first thing I want to say is that we can cultivate hope by balancing every fear, concern, and worry you have with the living hope you have in Christ. Say that again. Balance every fear, concern, and worry you have with a, the living hope you have in Christ. This is a daily, hourly effort that needs to take place. This is not something that comes around at once every year like Advent. Right? This is not something that you do once every week uh, before church. This is something you're going to need to put into practice as a daily discipline. Taking the inevitable fears, concerns and worries that we have and balancing them out with the living hope we have in Christ. Remember that passage from 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll read verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So applying objective hope to balance out concerns and fears and worries. Objective hope, that is hope that has been given to us through someone else through an, an event outside of our own tenuous experience, that is, the, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, which secures that hope and tethers us to that living hope. With that in mind, we can balance out life's worries. But it will require this ongoing effort to apply what Jesus has done for us to our present circumstances. I really like the way that Jay Kim says it in his book, uh, Hope and Expectant Leap. He says, this is what Christian hope looks like. It doesn't ignore fear, anxiety, and doubt. It confronts them. It holds steady, clinging to peace in the midst of chaos. Through life's many treacherous storms, Advent reminds us that Christian hope is shaped by what has happened and what is going to happen again. That's what we do. We shape our, our emotional life 
we shape our cognitive uh, processes. We, we shape our hope through what has been done and what is yet to be done through the first and the second advent. So that's number one. Number two, when you find yourself losing hope amidst difficult seasons, ask God to refill you with hope in his promises. Remember, hope comes from God. This is not something that you generate in yourself through positive vibes and, you know, um, this is something that comes from outside of us. That is a glorious and reassuring truth because when I absolutely am at my wit's end and am hopeless, I don't need to kind of generate as much momentum and hope as I can in order to feel kind of better about life. No, I can ask the God of hope, the God of inexhaustible hope, to fill me up by his spirit and renew my hope in his promises. Remember Romans 5, chapter 5, says this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. The source and the, the um, conduit of hope is not within us but without us. It's actually from God himself poured out through love and by the Holy Spirit inexhaustibly so that we can say with the psalmist, my cup overflows. So call on God to refill you with hope. We all need constant refilling. Third thing is to make your world a better place because of the hope you have. Now, this is not so much inward looking like those first two, but it's outward looking. And it comes back to this same principle we say over and over again, that if you want to cultivate and grow a sense of something within you, it's not just about asking God to do it from without, but it's actually practicing things which reinforce the thing that you want to experience. So if it's love for God, it's not just asking God, fill me up with more love for you, but it's singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs because doing often precedes being or feeling. So same in this way, we make the world a better place because of the hope that we have. And as we do this, I guarantee you will experience great, a greater sense of hope because doing often precedes being or, or feeling. The truth is that we have this hope that so many don't have. We have this sure and certain hope which comes to us from without, filling up constantly as we ask God to do so. That Where we have this overflow of hope, we need to put it to work in the world around us because God loves this world. This is his creation and it's designed to speak of his glory. So we can, to a watching world, we can demonstrate the hope that we have by blessing the world around us, by caring for the poor, right? By caring for the planet. These are ways that we can demonstrate love through the, the loving of our neighbors, through self-sacrificial deeds of care. All of this, it reinforces the hope that we have which comes from God himself. I really like how Tom Wright puts it in his book, Surprised by Hope. This is what he says. People who believe in the resurrection, in God making a whole new world in which everything will be set right at last, 
are unstoppably motivated to work for that new world in the present. So if, if that's you, if you believe in the resurrection, that is, if you believe not only in Jesus' resurrection, but in your impending resurrection, if you believe in the second advent, then with that belief comes this unstoppable motivation to work for that new creation in the present. This is not about what Christians have done for so long, which is just to close our eyes to the world around us and hope that Jesus comes back soon. Many of us have been praying that way through the pandemic, right? Come, Lord Jesus. It's a good prayer to pray. But don't close your eyes in the meantime. Live in the now and not yet and apply the power of that resurrection, that new creation into the here and now. I promise that as you do that, not only will the world be blessed, not only will people praise God for his goodness, but you will experience an increased sense of hope. Something that all of us need perhaps now more than ever. So there's a, a couple of ideas about how to cultivate hope. I would encourage you in your discussions after the sermon, share some more ideas about how to cultivate, how to grow, how to increase hope in Jesus in this life. I want to pray for us now as we go, for us as a church, that all of, this, all of this will be true for us as we live as a church in the now and the not yet. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the sure and certain hope that your promises and plans will be delivered upon. That they are being kept safe and guarded by your power. And so I pray that as we rest in that security, in your sovereign care of us, please increase our hope. Refill us with hope by the Holy Spirit. Help us daily to balance every fear and concern and worry with the sure and certain living hope we have in Christ. Lord, please release us as individuals, as families, as households, as communities. Release us to spread hope in the world around us. Help us to be purveyors of God-given hope. Help us to make this world a better place because of the great hope that we have. Lord, as we cast our minds now to next week's message, where we're going to talk about peace and the peace that we have because of the two advents, I pray that we would take that peace into this week as we cultivate hope in our day-to-day. -day. Lord, bless us. Keep us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. See you next week.